This is MPN. Welcome to MPN. It's the third episode of Build a Film. We're really excited to be bringing this one to you today. We hope you enjoyed our last uh, two episodes, actually. Our last one with uh, Chad Cook was 80s action. Uh, and our first one was 90s teen comedy. And uh, so go back and listen to those. Funny enough, our first guest is now our third guest for this week's entry. So uh, we'll get to that in just a moment, but I want to introduce my guest first. You've heard her on many of these different programs all throughout the network, and we want to welcome her back (laughs) in here because she also lives here as well. Please welcome Casey McCarran. Casey, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Good. You have to stop introducing me as she also lives here. Well, you do. It's true. I'm also your wife. So That's true. Yeah. That's true. We want to keep that... uh, mystery you know yes, like no, just, did he just find a friend who has the same last name as him or this is just as much your network as it is mine yeah, okay. <laughs> she who also lives here yes exactly she who also lives here yeah uh so this week in uh honor of the forthcoming academy awards a lot of different films out there up for a lot of different awards and around this time you get a specific type of film that comes out and that are vying for these end of the year awards. And of course everyone vying for the best picture. And so with another uh, award season upon us and almost done, we wanted to this week build an Oscar bait movie. And I know that may sound kind of strange, but this is the type of movie that you would put together that you would make in hopes that you would just win all of the Academy Awards, just every single one of them. So the way we wanted to do it. So because of the nature of the genre, it's going to be a little bit different than the two we've previously done because this isn't necessarily the movie that we would ideally like to see in a particular genre, which is what we've done with the previous two. But we're going for the movie that we think would win the most Oscars. Within and, within reason. Well, of course. Without like over-forcing it. Yeah. So th- these movies may have a, bit, a certain bit of importance and... Hopefully we've gathered enough elements to try and win as many as we can. So we, of course, we picked a a writer, director, plot, cast, composer, and title. And the only real rule that we have that we went with was that everyone that you picked has to be alive at the time of this recording. So you can't have Billy Wilder writing your screenplay. Yeah, bring back people from the dead. Or trying to get like Kubrick that elusive best director Oscar or anything like that. So, um, so that was what we went with. So we're going to try and I guess at the end of the episode, once you get done, if you want to comment below on the uh, Facebook page and see which movie you think would win the most Oscars or even which one you would want to see more. Both of these are, I I'm imagining tough subjects. I'm just thinking, (laughs) I don't know anything about yours in case he doesn't know anything about mine, but it's just, just. We don't. I'm wondering. Like, now I'm the, wondering how depressing your movie's gonna be. Just by the nature, <laughs> we're gonna get to it. Oh, we're definitely gonna goodness. get there. We're definitely gonna get there. So we hope you enjoy this one. This is gonna be a tiny bit different. I know we're already playing with the format, and we've only had two episodes. So uh, explain that to me. But I think this one will be a uh, a fun one. And Casey, you mentioned you have something you want to do before we get into it yeah well like as some some research for the topic i figured it would be good to like look at because like you can retain 
some information for the winners. We do a pool every year at the party and stuff like that. And I will, I think I do pretty well in like the Oscar pool, but I forget this information. Like as soon as like the year, like the year is done, we've done the Academy Awards. I can't remember who won anything. Like the I get all just, I, I don't remember any of that information. Well, and, and I talked a little bit about that in the top 10 list is that I couldn't remember my number one movies from 10 year in, in 10 successive years. So it's like, yeah, we place so much importance on this thing for a short period of time and then it just like leaves our brain and we're like oh how do we do anything else so yeah but i thought it'd be good to make a list to kind of have like a general idea of okay so you made a list casey you made a list (laughs) i'm a very organized person but so i was like okay i'll make a list of like you know the last several like best actress winners or best actor winners and like best picture winners to kind of get a feel of like Okay, so the, like, a lot of these are, like, adapted by, you know, books and, like, things like that. Just kind of see, like, what the trends are and stuff. Um, And since I was writing them down, you thought it would be kind of fun to guess. I love trivia. He really does. A little bit about me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love trivia. You always want him on your team if you're going to do trivia. So what do you have? Now, I don't know anything about this. Uh, you just mentioned this was something you wanted to do. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I just have? wrote it down so that I could look at it. Um, so I wrote down all the Best Picture winners back to 1990. So now these would be movies that came out, like, technically the year before. Um, so you can guess them however you want to do it in that, in that sense. Um, but so back to 1990. So the last movie would have come out in 89. But, but the awards happening in 90. Okay. Yes. All right. So like however you want to, you know, do that. So you're going to try to give it your best shot at um, guessing these. I I would terrible. How many do you think game. how many do you think I can get? Let's Cuz there's what 27? Yes. Or something? I get over 20 probably, right? You can get over 20? Yeah. Okay. So so from 89 into 90. So we'll I'm just going to go for it. Okay, so 89, we have Driving Miss Daisy. Mm-hmm. 90 is Dances with Wolves. Mm-hmm. I should probably get a little... Oh, I yeah, need here's the a pen. pen so I can yeah. keep track okay. of these things. So 91, Silence of the Lambs. Uh-huh. 92, Unforgiven. Yeah. 93, Schindler's List. Uh-huh. 94, Forrest Gump. Yeah. 95, Braveheart. Mm-hmm. 96 is, uh, let's see, these are movies that came out in 1996. Uh, okay, we'll come back to that one. Titanic, 97. Okay. Shakespeare in Love, 98. Mm-hmm. American Beauty, 99. Mm-hmm. 2000 uh, uh, it was... Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's Why? funny for me as a reference, but it's funny that... Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, 2000, it wasn't... Uh, oh, it was Gladiator. It was. It was yeah. just... It, we just it had just it on. That's it. so yeah. funny. Okay. 2001, A Beautiful Mind. Mm-hmm. 2002, Chicago. Mm-hmm. 2003, Return of the King... Or, excuse me, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. He almost got that one wrong, folks. Yeah. 2004, Million Dollar Baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2005. Why are you laughing? Yeah, just, I just assume it's open on the laptop. No, it's not. Okay. Uh, uh, 2000 and 
2005. Oh, uh, 2005 was Crash. Whoa. Yes. 2006 was The Departed. Uh huh. 2007. Uh, we'll have to come back to that. 2000. Okay. These are tough. 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, Oddly enough, this is getting closer. You'd think this I know, would be better in I know. You'd think I'd be more, more, these would be more memorable. Mm-hmm. So, 07, 08, 09, I, oh, I can't think of. 2010, The King's Speech. Oh, so you can't, okay, so no, there's no, three, those three you're gone. I can't, yeah. Okay. We'll come back to them. Okay. So, tw- 2010 is The King's Speech. Okay. 2011 is The Artist. Uh-huh. 2012 oh. yeah and this is where this is where we start uh yeah like we again these are these are ones that we've hosted at our apartment and i can't think of them uh yeah i'm i'm starting to draw blood well i know last year was moonlight so if we go okay. if we go from 2017 okay. or 2016 was moonlight mm-hmm. and uh wow 20, uh, 2015 was Spotlight. Okay. Uh, 2014, uh, let's see, that would have been, that was like a whiplash. And was it Birdman? Yeah. And the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance? Okay. 2013, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm tapped. Okay, so I'm we're missing yeah. two. Us there. So like those two, and then we have the three. The three okay, in the so one, two, three, four, five, six. So you All missed right. six. Okay. What were they? Twenty-one. Okay. So the the old the uh, see I have these written down in a weird way. So the winner in twenty or uh, nineteen ninety-seven that would have come out in nineteen ninety-six. We the English Patient. Oh shoot! Is that why you were laughing? Because it was like a Seinfeld reference. No, I was laughing because okay. of Gladiator. But mm. so anyway. Um, so then, so the winner in, uh... So after Titanic, right? Or was that, I got Before Titanic. Yeah, 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 okay. So that's, that's the old one. And then, okay. so the three that you missed after The Departed, uh, was No Country. Oh. In 07, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, okay. And then The Hurt Locker. Hmm. And then... Yeah, Okay. And then 2013 was Argo. <laughs> Wait. And then 2014 was 12 Years a Slave. Okay. So you did good. Not bad. You're at 21. Not bad, right? That's way better That's than, than I, I would do. I'd be like, hey, Crash won in there at one point. Crash. Yeah. I will not be building a film like Crash uh, for my Oscar beta, you can be sure. For I don't think any other film in here is. No. Yeah. No. So. All right. Well, that was fun. That was because that that is the only sort of list that I can kind of come up with. Fire away, like you wrote down what actor and actress as well. Mm-hmm. Like I no, I I'm I'm saying I probably would do I would do very terrible. I can pick out little bits and pieces here and there. But, you can like tell me actors that have won, and then I can yeah, tell and then you. you could try to figure out when they <laughs> were. I mean, there's a few that match up, but you know, like Anthony Hopkins and um, a few others. Oh, like the Jean Dujardin from The Artist. The I think artist, he yeah. also won as well. Uh-huh, and Colin did. Firth won for The King's Speech. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I got a few things here and there, but... Very good. You yeah. you named three Best Actor winners. Mm, that'll be a whole different podcast. Time. We'll just do Oscar trivia as a compliment to this podcast. Compliment with an E. Compliment. Okay. Okay. All right. Anyway. Should, should we get into this? Should we make some people sad? 
Oh my gosh. Your movie is going to be like racism against like mm. baby animals that are dying <laughs> of diseases or something. It, they're not baby animals that are dying of diseases. Oh no, they're grown animals. <laughs> okay. So my plot goes a little something like this. I'm going to go first. Okay. Since we've since I've already established it. Okay. So a man Decides to take his wife and daughter to a concert in the north of England. So they okay. probably live there, I would say. They probably okay. live in the north of England. Okay. And his daughter has been looking forward to seeing her favorite artist, Ariana Grande. Oh, gosh. For weeks. Oh, no. Okay. So it turns out to be the unfortunate <sighs> night of the horrific bombing in Manchester. Oh. The man and woman's child is killed during the bombing. And the man loses a leg while his wife takes shrapnel to her face. And afterwards, there are multiple long takes of the man and woman trying to escape with their various wounds to try to, like, build tension and stuff. So there's lots of, like, long shots that sort of follow around. And there's all this mayhem and carnage and stuff like that. I told you. I told you. This isn't going to be happy. Yeah, our films are different. Okay. All right. Mine's a comedy. Okay. That's not not at all. Nope. (laughs) Okay, so they aren't given time to grieve their child in the moment because they need to escape. They need to, like, escape with their own lives. So after they're taken to the hospital, they need to try to find a way to sort of pick up the pieces in their life sort of after the tragedy, like learning simple things, like, you know, relearning how to walk for the man Mm -hmm. and relearning how to read for the woman. And then in the middle... Of this sort of, I would say it's like a montage, but uh, this that this sequence, you would intercut them teaching their daughter to do these same things, like learning how to read oh, and learning how so to walk like and things same. like okay. that. Yeah, so they're so okay. it's like them re- remembering their daughter that way. Throughout the process, they're they're helped along by the steady hand of. When do I get to find out who these people? Oh, are? sorry. Yeah, that's that's true. I was going to incorporate that. So. The man is Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay. Just because. Okay, you're bringing him out of retirement. Okay. Well, we're bringing him out of retirement because he gets to play this awesome dad, this great sort of like character My that left foot. that has, and that's exactly what made me think of it mm-hmm. is that it's possible maybe he would lose his left leg. So we have that element being brought into it with Daniel Day-Lewis playing, you know, somebody who is hindered in some way. Uh, and then his wife is Charlie Theron. Okay. Because she's taking shrapnel to her face, mm-hmm. and we know that she is like Oscar Gold when she plays like an ugly character, or when they ugly her up in some way, shape, or form. She gets like you know everybody loves that with an a- Oscar actresses. It's it's so unfortunate that that that's just like oh you you are a stunningly beautiful person. We're just going to make you ugly. Congrats. Here's a bunch of awards. Like it's I mean, kinda, I it's guess when she's not winning an Oscar, then she just she gets to be Charlize Theron. She gets to be beautiful and life. like a model yeah. and atomic blonde. So. So, okay. So I told you I, we had sort of talked a little bit about it beforehand, that mine is a very small cast. I mean, obviously there's going to be a oh, lot yes, of people. Did, yes. There's a lot of extras and there's lots of just other people throughout mm-hmm. the movie, but they're not – we're just going to keep it with this sort Focus. of smaller, yeah, okay. very small story, very small group of people. So we have Danny Lewis and Charlie Theron. And so throughout this process of staying at the hospital and trying to rebuild their life and rebuild 
their literal bodies, they are sort of helped along by the steady hand of a tough but fair American doctor played by Morgan Freeman. <laughs> so we bring in we bring in Freeman to sort of give it mm-hmm. that calm, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he can sort of be the narrator of the story within the story, sort mm-hmm. of like telling the story of, you know, maybe they are talking to him and that's how we figure out what their life was before because we don't see much of it before. We just see them maybe that day or the day before going to the concert. And so we start to build a little bit of what their home life was. Maybe there were some issues that Daniel Day-Lewis and Charlie's needed to sort through money, infidelity, who knows? Like I'm probably infidelity in in this case to make it dramatic. But so he sort of is that calming, steadying voice Mm -hmm. for both of them to sort of help them rebuild their marriage and rebuild their life and everything now. So they get out of the hospital and they come back home. And of course, there's all this aftermath. There's all this physical aftermath, of course, but there's also a lot of political aftermath as well. And so they sort of unwittingly become front and center of the discussion of what needs to be done to prevent these things from happening in the future. And so they make headlines by coming out and saying that they actually forgive the person that did it mm. because they know that the way that they the, the, that message that they want to preach is the message of love and not of hatred and exclusion and stuff like that. So that's going to kind of be the only way that they can um, heal the world really um, of all this. So within all of that, they're, the way they become embroiled in that sort of headline grabbing things is they get there's a whole segment with a news producer and they do an interview on camera and the news anchor is played by Meryl Streep. So that's how we're able to get her involved. So Meryl Streep gets to interview Daniel Day-Lewis and Charlie Theron about the life. And then this can be, if Morgan Freeman was the bridge from their past life to now, Meryl Streep can sort of become the bridge from, their current life into the future. Okay. So they have these two sort of voices that lead to this one giant overarching story. So that's kind of the main piece. That's sort of the main part of it. And I wanted to make it historical. I mean, obviously this is very recent. This happened just in May of last year, not even a year um, where I like the idea of a historical fiction so you have this event and you can say things you want about the event without necessarily telling a specific story so that way you can make it as dramatic or as exciting and or whatever as possible and you don't you aren't necessarily stuck with like not stuck but you're not sort of like well i need to tell this specific story no you can tell any story you want you're not boxed into yeah you're you're just using the 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 horrific bombing as like a house almost so this is, yeah you're Titanic. yeah you have a story within a giant thing it's yeah. a pretty it's a perfect co- a comparison so that's what mine is okay that's sort of where i wanted to go with it because i think that those things especially with the academy i'd say they're always trying to be very like woke and trying to you know like who is very timely and it's very it checks a lot of it checks a lot of boxes mm-hmm. in there. Isn't Ariana Grande her tweet like the most liked tweet or the most like retweeted, retweeted. tweet? I think she holds a record for that. Like from her tweet about oh, I'll have to look it up about that about the about the show. That probably makes sense. I think so. So that's where I uh, that's where I went with it. So I like I said I went with it okay. historical, 
Daniel Day Lewis, Charlie Char- Daniel Day Lewis playing a guy with one leg, Charlie Theron playing someone who's now had to have makeup to be ugly, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah, that was the best way to describe Morgan that, Freeman. And uh, and Meryl Streep. So those are my four okay. actors. All right. And uh, and yeah, so that's where I went with it. And so, what do you think? You like it? I mean, like it is a tough thing to say, but I think it would make a good movie. I think my film would have some competition. Uh huh. So they're just they're different stories, but they think that they're both Oscar bait films. Okay. But yeah, I think you did good. I think you did a good All right. job. So what's yours? Okay. <laughs> All right. So. Finding my topic, uh, because I wanted to do basically a biopic, uh, was difficult because, you know, we kind of decided to do this last minute and it was like, all right, well, now I have to rush. And, you know, finding the right topic can be difficult about what you want to tell. And I went through, you know, several ideas and things like that. And so, you know, I was trying to look through like important people of history and stuff. And so one that I had originally thought about um, was Matahari, which I don't know how much you know about her so she no. which tell me somebody should still make so this film was made in 1931 with Greta Garbo and it apparently is like a tv series now but it has not aired here and it says like um 2016 to present and there's like a bunch of episodes but I it's not here I don't know how to watch hmm. it you can watch the trailer and I meant to watch the trailer I haven't seen it but um the person playing her I don't know who it is but like Christopher Lambert John Corbett Rucker Howard and Gerard Depardieu are in this series about her, but so who she was, like as a quick thing, um, she was a Dutch exotic dancer um, and courtesan who was uh, convicted of being a double agent for France and Germany during World War One and executed by a firing squad in France. So oh. she's like an exotic dancer that's wow. supposed to be a double agent. I'm like, that's so interesting. Yeah. So um, big problem though, she's a woman. So let's Ooh. just get rid of that as far as... Um, this goes but I think that that would be a great movie it's just that I feel like if I'm really going for an Oscar bait film it needs to be a man's struggle and really a white man's struggle mm. so that's out but okay. great somebody should great idea somebody should make that yeah um I also thought about doing a biopic for George Washington he's the first president the costumes would be great amazing. like the cinematography would be amazing you know you have all this like I think that 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 could have been great but you know there's a lot about him going on in Hamilton right now and stuff like that it's like eh, it doesn't feel as fresh so okay moving on okay um and then I was like oh maybe you could do like a performer you could do like Elvis or something but I was like I don't know and I even thought about um like Milton S. Hershey like a like oh, Hershey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like Hershey, Hershey chocolate. Dude. Yeah. Yes, and I was like, that might be an interesting story to see, you know, like about him, you know, becoming who he is today and now how we have like Hershey's Kisses. But I was like, if it's really the Oscars, I don't know if the story of like a chocolate company, like how we now have like kisses is really gonna like get us there. So it's yeah, like Yeah, if, if if you're gonna have something like that, you need it's like you have to go on to like saving Mr. Banks, like about Walt Disney. So what I ended up choosing was the story of the Wright brothers. Oh, so that's okay. So it's not going to be probably as sad as yours. You know, it's just, uh, it's a biopic. Um, and it, what's better than one white man's struggle, but two. Two. So, <laughs> yes. Wow. So, okay. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm just kind of going through it in my brain, like trying to figure out a comparison. I mean, it's like what, the 1910s or 20s or something? It's uh, like they do their first flight in 1903. So oh, wow. it okay. probably starts in like the late 1800s to um, like the earlier 1900s. Okay. So we pray, yeah. 
Nice. Good. Again, a good period piece, time period yes, with costumes the costumes will look nice and music. And... You get some cool, some neat stuff in there. So. Yes. Okay. I think I can have good music and, you know, we can have some, you know, great cinematography, like with the planes and stuff like that. So. The sun hitting it over just over the. Yeah. So like the... going through like a field. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That gets, that's for my cinematography later. But not my cinematography. Sorry, my composer mm. later. Okay. Um. But yes, so um, it's going to be the story of the the Wright brothers, and how I've kind of done my breakdown is um, kind of with the different characters. Um, so because um, when I chose them, I did not realize that they um, that the parents had several other siblings, and then I was going to no. have to like cast all of these siblings. Um, but I kind of wanted to do, you know, like focusing on the parents and like them as kids, and then getting older, and then sort of like you know, the main would be like when they would be. Um, in their 30s like actually like doing this and then you know like a little bit after and like their success and stuff like that so it would kind of revolve around their family so I have cast their family um and then um not really kind of like the other people because it seems like it's mostly about them and like later but it'd be bit parts and I didn't really cast that so I think I'm going to start with the parents because then I'll go through like the parents and the two of the siblings and then I'll get to them and so okay so the parents, the, their father, um, is Milton Wright, and he is going to be played by Richard Jenkins. All right. Now, this is the one photo that I have to show you. So this oh, is yeah. Milton Wright okay. and Richard Jenkins. Yeah, I can see it. Yes. So Absolutely. I wish. Yes, which is the best for, I think, a podcast is visuals. Yeah. But um, yes. So just so, picture Richard Jenkins with a beard, put it in black and white, and you have Milton like Wright. Like a comb over. Yeah, Milton yeah. Wright. Yeah. Guys. Not that hard. So this is easy. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I chose Richard Jenkins. He's a great actor. Inspired casting. Yes. Had nominated for Best Actor for The Visitor and Supporting Actor this year for The Shape of Water. Mm. Um, and so Milton Wright was a bishop um, of the Church of the United Brethren in Christ, and he was a stern um, but affectionate and supportive father. So I feel like he can do all that stuff and. Um, because of his position in the church, the family moved around a lot like when they were younger. Um, and uh, they moved 12 times before they ended up um, settling in Dayton, Ohio in 1884. Um, and he was even a professor of theology for a short time. And he was the editor of a religious newspaper called The Telescope. So all the parents, like, they're very accomplished, like these mm-hmm. um, smart family. I really want the fact that they moved around a lot to be like a major plot point they were like hmm if there was only an easier way we could do this these roads are so hard it takes so long to get everywhere maybe like some sort of family heirloom crashes (laughs) on the ground or maybe like the urn of a of a grandmother or something like that and they're trying to sweep it up there's got to be a better way Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so that's the father um the mother susan wright um, we should have just made it a requirement, I think, for this. It should have just been a fun requirement that Meryl Streep is in it. I yes. think that kind of should have been a thing before. Well, we talked about this, if I'm interject really quickly before we finish, is that we discussed this briefly before. Obviously, we discussed it a little bit beforehand. And we basically kept just making the movie The Post. Like, we just, that's it. <laughs> we're like, well, of course, Spielberg's going to direct it, and Tom Hanks is going to be in it, and Meryl Streep's going to be in it. And we're like, oh, shit, that's The Post. That's just, we just, every single time, all we did was make The Post. So we wanted to do a little bit different. But yes, Meryl Streep, if you're making Oscar bait, 100% needs to be in it. Yeah, so she's been nominated 21 times. 
21 times this woman has been nominated. Uh, she's won for three. She won for Kramer versus Kramer, Sophie's Choice, and The Iron Lady. Um, but yeah, so she is the mother. And um, I know she gets nominated for everything, and she's done, you know, a real wide variety of stuff. But I thought she might still be interested in this character because, um, so her mother goes to college, which is not common for a woman to go at the time. And uh, she had considerable uh, mechanical aptitude, which is kind of something she has not tackled, I feel like, as mechanics. Yeah, because you like a jumpsuit. Yeah, and like as yeah. a yes, as a girl, she spent many hours in her uh, with her father in his carriage shop, um, on the family farm, learning how to use tools. So when she was like older and had kids, she designed and built appliances in their home, and she made toys for her kids. Oh. So like as boys, Wilbur and Orville, those are the Wright brothers, um, would consult their mother whenever they needed mechanical assistance or advice. So it's like, oh, so that's a really different role. She's an important role. She's like helping out, you know, to kind of like lead them like towards where they're going and like their interests and stuff like that. And so I thought that was really interesting. So um, I thought she might be interested in like a nurturing role that was also kind of doing something you wouldn't typically, you know, find a woman doing. I agree. So I thought that, yeah, yeah she'd be interested in that. Um, okay, so those are the parents. Um, they then went on and they had their first child. I'm going to butcher some of these names. I'm sorry. Uh, Rauchlin, I'm going to say. R-E-U-C-H-L-I-N. Hmm. Rauchlin? Rauchlin, yeah. Sure. Um, so... R. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Rushi. Um, so he... Um, <laughs> uh, Get back here, Rushi. Yeah. He, uh, he's the, the eldest brother. Um, and he is going to be played by Joel Edgerton. Taryn's brother? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Okay. Um, but he is married and had a daughter, and he was considered maybe the black sheep of the family. Um, and he's not as involved in the story. Like, he still shows up, but he's the least involved of all the children. And I think that uh, Joel Edgerton can probably be, play, like, older, kind of standoffish or, you know. Yeah. Yes. So, I agree. And then the next year, they had kids a lot. So then uh, one year younger is Lauren Wright, a boy. And so second oldest, he ends up getting married. He has four kids, and he is definitely involved, like, throughout the, the whole story. He helps out in, in different ways as their older brother. But he is going to be played by John Bernthal. Um, I like it. So it's a softer, more supportive role. Um, beard or no beard? Oh, my gosh. You know what? This man, I think, had an amazing mustache and glasses. Uh, I'm gonna find it. Like, so I could see it with like a. He's got like a. He's got like his vest. He's got his little pocket watch tucked into the his those pockets of his vest. Maybe like those little small opera glasses or something, and a big old mustache. I could see that. Definitely. Yeah. This family had a lot of great mustaches. Well, the time period it. too. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a pretty epic mustache. That's Joel Edgerton. Um, but uh, yeah. So yeah, so I thought that was a good role for him. He's in everything that yeah. there is. So he's um, good in pretty much everything too. So you know he's gonna nail it. Yeah. So yeah. So those are the two older brothers, and then they then they had the Wright brothers, and then they had Catherine, the youngest sister. She also had two more kids that both died. Um when they were young so yeah so this family had a lot of kids hmm. um okay and so i'll explain the younger sister i guess as we as we go so i'm going to get into the two brothers i have the older of the brother 
the older brother, sorry, the older of the two brothers, Wilbur. And for this, I'm going to tell you, you're going to laugh as soon as I tell you who I have cast in it. I'm casting Adam Driver as the older brother. I knew you were going to laugh. If you remember, I worked on this like all day yesterday. Yeah, and then I was there. at like seven o'clock at night, I just cracked up on the couch. Yeah. Because it did not occur to me until then to cast him. Like I was just we could like. You saved four hours. Yes. Like, yeah, probably yeah. longer than that. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, so. Um, when in doubt, driver it out. Driver. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he, um, Wilbur, who he was an excellent student and athlete. And uh, also so a dark lord of the Jedi arts. <laughs> no, he's a good guy in this. Like everything else he's in that isn't Star Wars. But yes, so that's why I've cast as that. And he actually had um, a small part in Lincoln. So he's in Lincoln. So he's worked with Spielberg before. And he works with, he's worked with a lot of directors. So, you know, he's worked with Soderbergh and Noah Baumbach and Jim Jarmusch and Martin Scorsese like he just Brian Johnson yeah he just he works with all these different Great directors and stuff like yeah. that so it's like alright well you know what Spielberg gave him a small part before there's no reason why he wouldn't like give him a, a you know a bigger role now I wonder who your director's gonna be <laughs> oh okay sorry I realized that I said that and then when I'd written this I was like oh that's an important piece to go back to <laughs> yeah my director is Spielberg okay. and that's that's why I forgot that I revealed that I found Got that it. out way later I okay. had cast my director way sooner in this process than I had cast him and it was just a happy accident and yes yeah. like it just happened to work out like oh he actually was in one of his movies so um yeah so spoilers for later Ooh, um I'm excited but you know there's more to it as to why is, I, I put sure. him into it so then my other brother, Orville, he is slightly, they're four years apart, and he was like a good, I'm what? I thinking you're just going to cast Andrew Garfield. <laughs> just a silence reunion. That would have been amazing. And when you told me to cast Henry Cavill as Wilbur, as like, I can't do Henry Cavill and Army Hammer because it didn't go well. Oh, but. I know. Oh, but it was so fun I enjoyed though. that movie. But anyway, so. The Man I, from Uncle. Yes. Did they not get along on set? No, that or movie just, didn't, it didn't do well. It just didn't do well. Okay. So I feel like oh, if it didn't do well, maybe it wouldn't be the best for like my Oscar bait film. Mm. No, I mean, hey, and you know what? He looks great with a mustache, and I'm very excited for the next Mission Impossible movie. Right. Um, but for this, we're going to have Adam Driver and Army Hammer. Okay. Army Hammer, fresh off of Call Me By Your Name. Um, and uh, so I feel like he'd be, you know, he's like now like in their minds and he was so great in the social network and we're just forgetting that the Lone Ranger ever existed because now we have Call Me By Your Name. So, um, yes. So Orville was a good student, but he never finished school. And then he went on to start a newspaper. And then Wilbur actually went to work at the newspaper with them. So they worked together on the newspaper and then they had Right Cycle Company because people used to just do all kinds of things. It was just like, oh, okay, we can just have our own newspaper. We'll just do that. And we'll just start our own bicycling company. And then we'll teach ourselves how to fly. And here it's like, well, mm-hmm. but like, what's my Instagram doing today? Yeah. I should probably check that. So. But there was just nothing in the world. So like the world was sort of a canvas. It was just, you could do a lot of stuff because yeah. there was nothing there. You oh, just we'll just, we'll just decide to, to fly today. Let's figure out a way to go... Um, what do you think Elon Musk is doing? He's trying to go to space, guys. I guess, okay. We got we got one. But yeah, so they had a newspaper, and then they started their own bicycle like rental company that uh, their brother, Lauren, so John Bernthal, and then their sister um, later managed. And, uh, and I'll come to Catherine. Um, and then uh, in 1896, 
they became interested in aviation, as you do. You just you Why become, not? Yep. What if this bicycle could be up there? Yeah. <laughs> I, still, mm-hmm. I don't want a bicycle on the ground. Yeah. I want it to be... It's like E.T. It is like E.T. <laughs> it is. Just bringing it all together. Um, so they performed their first aeronautical experiments with kites in 1899, which I'm just going to love to see them with kites. Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah. Um, and then they built a series of gliders um, through 1902, uh, developing an aerodynamic control system for airplanes while teaching themselves how to fly. Because you do those two things, right? You're doing aerodynamics and you're teaching yourself how to fly. It just, yeah. So then their first flight was in 1903. So they're in their 30s. They're 32 and 36 at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that was like the first big thing. And then their first public flight, as it is a biopic, and you're kind of just going through like the stages, you know, kind of like years of their lives mm-hmm. and developments and stuff like that. Um, so then we get to their first like public flights that they have in 1905. Oh, and I can just picture them having a big thing, a big to-do with like one of those old-fashioned cameras that yeah. like pops and has all <laughs> yeah. the smoke that comes out. And then, they're, then they just sort of, there's like a sheet over the thing and they pull it off they pull the sheet off and the plane is right there and there's i'm sure a john williams score that swells into look at this thing look at and everybody's sort of shocked but sort of doesn't know what to do with it i, I can picture that scene very very clearly in my mind anyway so yeah so then their first public flight and then um they sold planes to the army in 1908 so it's just like getting bigger and bigger so it's like you know smaller and then people can see them fly and then they've now they're selling airplanes um and then they started the right company in 1909 um and then after that because obviously they were having success other people were trying to do the same thing and so they had to start filing like patent infringement suits to different companies that were using their methods and so Wilbur, Adam Driver, then had to travel a lot. He was considered like the expert witness for these things. So he had to travel all over the place to, um, to try to like, you know, do all these lawsuits. That, and stuff seem like that. Like a, that seems like a conflict of interest. You're Why? your own character witness for your own company against another I'm assuming company? that he is proving that they're using their methods oh, or something okay. like that. Like, like I'm assuming that that's yeah. kind of He's what the character it had witness to be, for the Wilbur That he would company. have the information to himself and it's like, are they using this? We have a patent, like kind of a thing. So, um... Yeah, so because he's, like, traveling um, around a lot, he ends up getting typhoid, and he dies in 1912. Man. So that's unfortunate. And, like, most of the movie would have already happened by now because I feel like it starts out when they're young, and we're going to be following them, you know, like, through these, like, first flights and then getting bigger and, like, more successful and stuff like that. So most of the movie would be about that. He doesn't just die, like, probably through. through. Most, yeah. of, most of them is, like, getting them into the air. That's the big... Got it. That's the big story. So... Um, Wilbur Adam Driver was president of the company at that time um, and so Army Hammer had to take over when he passed away and then three years later in 1915 Orville Army Hammer he sells the company um, and then he goes on um, to do some other stuff after that like Orville co-designed the first guided missiles in World War One. also like helped design split flaps on dive bombers in World War Two. Um and he was a lifelong member of uh, what we know today as NASA because it wasn't originally called NASA. But so he, you know, he, he did really interesting stuff too yeah. after that. That'll be um, the post credit or the post, like the, the one that after yes, the movie no, it's fades on the street, out. Yes. That's what the text yeah. would be. Yeah. Yes. And then their sister, um, she kind of like helped it over the, over the, the years and stuff like that. And she helped to um, take care of Orville because um, he gets injured um, at one point in his life. And she was a teacher and she kind of quit teaching and she started to help him and then she kind of 
um, was with him for uh, a long time and stuff. But so Catherine uh, is their younger sister. She's the youngest of the kids. Um, and she will be played by Brie Larson. Okay. All-star cast you've got here. Star-studded. Yes. She won an Oscar for Room. Of all the kids, she is the more like outgoing and charming and yes, like I said, she was a teacher. She's the only one of the siblings to finish college. And she was awarded, along with Wilbur and Orville, and I'm going to show a word to you. I'm going to have you read it so that I don't butcher it. Oh. What did she win? Uh, let's see. It's Oh, it's in French. It's the, it's, in English, it's the Legion of Honor. The full name in French is Ordre National de la Légion d'Honneur. There you go. Anyway, so she was awarded that along with Wilbur and Orville, the highest French order of merit for military and civil merits, making her one of the very few women in the U.S. Um, who have received it. And wow. so, yeah, and so she's very helpful throughout the rest of the time. So I thought um, she would also be an interesting role. She's a... The a, spunky sister who Yeah, and she's smart done. and outgoing and, yes, and, like, helpful over the years and stuff like that. So, yeah, so that is in general my cast. The only other like small casting that I have because it, it you know, I feel like again it would focus mo- mostly around them and then since they kind of keep seem to do stuff together, there would be like a few people that are like sprinkled in when it gets into, you know, Different other like business things and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um and so I feel like in the um like lawsuits, you know, men area, uh Michael Stuhlbarg would be great in there um because he seems right like for this time period and that like in a suit it's like that seems to make yeah. sense and he has to be in um in every oscar movie right um he's probably maybe. he'll probably end up in mine in some way shape or form he'll be in it somewhere maybe yeah. he'll play the news producer for meryl streep's there you uh, go because he he should be in person. it yeah okay um well i like that is that it i'm sorry i don't mean to cut yes you. So yeah. that that is my that is my story it's the story of the wright brothers no it's interesting because that's something you just sort of take for granted you go oh the wright brothers invented airplanes but you're like there's so much obviously to them uh how did you come across how did you finally land on that or decide i know you had those other ones that sort of didn't work out but that one i guess i could just picture it because you're seeing them like struggle and you're going on this journey with them that I feel like it could seem like it would be touching and emotional um, and you'd really, you know, feel for them and want them to succeed. Um, And I feel like it would kind of like look right and it could sound right for Mm. an Oscar bait Type of thing, yeah. Yes. Oh, I can definitely see that. Um, Well, I'm going to move on then to my, uh, the people involved in this, making this movie, which my director, and again, I, I... had I was deciding between two people, and they're both recent-ish winners. And I eventually landed. For, I eventually landed on Alfonso Cuarón. Okay. Be, and who uh, won two Oscars in twenty uh, for, for in twenty fourteen for twenty thirteen. It's very always very confusing, but he won for Gravity. So he won directing in Gravity, also won editing in Gravity. And he's been nominated one, two, three, four other times. He was nominated for Best Picture, uh, Editing for Children of Men, Adapted Screenplay for Children of Men, and Original Screenplay for Itu Mama Tambien. So he's no stranger to making films that are... How do uh, we know him, though? What film do we know him from? 
Harry Potter and the Prisoner of yeah. Azkaban? <laughs> well, he's that's okay. just, that's just, just something famous that he's done. Just it's, as many yeah. people would know him as the director of often right. the favorite of the Harry Potter yeah. films. No, but without yes, a doubt. he's done a lot 100%. of other things. So, and the reason is, and the reason why I threw in that that point about the long shots is because there's going to be a lot of them that are happening in the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. So when the bomb actually strikes, when it actually goes off, he's able to take his two characters and sort of move them around the maze of the mayhem and everything. And nobody is better at those unbroken shots or at least making them look unbroken than Alfonso Cuaron. So, but I also think he's got a touch that can handle this type of storyline. So he, he, I feel like he could pull off the sensitive parts. He can pull off the sentimental parts because there's a lot of that in Itumama and there's a little bit in Harry Potter and but the, the, the rough gruff stuff he did in children of men and that he's able to just really bring out the sort of nail biting. Like you just got to have that visceral reaction to it that I think that he's able to really pull out, I think. And so Quaron is my director. I originally had it as uh, Alejandro Gonzalez uh, Iñárritu. Mm-hmm. But I kind of thought that he, that this is, a, is too much of a grounded story, and I feel like he sort of works in the fantastical mm-hmm. a little bit. Birdman and the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance and The Revenant. The, the, there are elements of that story that are just, like, bonkers, ridiculous, and I think I would have... I want somebody who's a little bit more grounded i think in reality so that's why i went with quaron instead um and my writer which again is a bit of an outside the box choice because my writer is mainly known as a director but he's also a writer does he typically direct the movies that he writes yes okay he does all right all right so that that's why it's okay yeah that's why it's so i mean okay. yeah so so he's still a screenwriter He's never won, but he's been nominated four times okay. for a screenwriter. Okay. And it's Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay. Would just be the one that I would just want to see what he could do writing wise. And this could be the re- this could be the way to kind of get him an Academy Award since he is one of the best filmmakers, if not the best overall filmmaker uh, out there. So it would be cool to to see what he gets to do. So I know we're already sort of at a bit of a challenge with him writing something and not directing it. But if anyone knows how to write dialogue for Daniel Day Lewis, it's him. He's done it a few different times, a couple mm-hmm. different times. And while there's no real sort of like terrible guy doing stuff like Daniel, Day, like um, Reynolds Woodcock or Daniel Plainview or Daniel Plainview, something like, like the things that he's really good at, that's sort of his sort of bread and butter he still writes people so well. And so I think that where the meat of this character or this movie is, is with the interpersonal relationships with the characters and the doctor and the news anchor and their relationship between Daniel D. Lewis and Charlie Theron. And he's also really good at handling small casts. So obviously for, um, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So for in recently for Phantom Thread and for there'll be blood and, He's, it's funny because he's kind of gone away from what he did really well early on with Boogie Nights and Magnolia, where it's just like a million Huge people, cast. a million yeah. people. But I mean, Phantom Thread is just such, I mean, there's three people in it. It's basically three people. It's a play. It's like three people and thing doing thing. So I think that he could also work well within those constraints as well. So 
uh, I think that, yeah, and so since he's no stranger to the awards circuit, mm-hmm. I think he could probably finally get an Oscar for writing since he's been nominated four times. So that is my uh, creative team behind it. Do you want to do it. your composer? Sure, while yeah. While you're at it? Sure. Just do all three? Okay. So my composer is not who you'd expect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a very favorite composer that I've been Dad, very yes. vocal about my uh, for a long time, but it just doesn't work with this type of movie. Thomas I, Newman doesn't work for your movie. Thomas Newman is wonderful, but he's a quieter. He needs a quieter film. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really ramp up in terms of uh, like action and tension, and he doesn't. The, the, his music doesn't really hold your attention when these these like really white knuckle moments are happening, which they're going to be very intense moments. So I went actually a little again another maybe outside of the box a little bit. He's very hot right now. Okay. Uh, Ramin Jawadi, who is the guy who does the music for Game of Thrones and he does oh. the music for Westworld. So he's never quite done an Academy Award nominated film. But I think if you just look at what he's been able to do on television and really, I mean, he did the music for like Iron Man and he's doing the music for A Wrinkle in Time and The Mountain Between Us and stuff like that. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's stuff that is just sort of out there, but this will be the first sort of main big thing that he's doing. And he's got the like those drum heavy tones that I think could really pair well in this sort of frantic emotional stuff in the beginning and, but also the emotional tones as well. Cause I think again, game of Thrones has that Westworld has that. There's a lot of this dichotomy of boom, boom explosion, but then you're also grounding it in real human drama. And I think the music works really well on both of those shows. And so I think the music would probably work really well in this movie as well. So Ramin Jawadi my other person so good luck Ramin I like the choices we should have just started playing like the Game of Thrones theme <laughs> over that while you did that <laughs> I'll have to cut been... it in I'll have to edit it in okay that would have been that would have been great um okay so my dire- Who's your director <laughs> okay my director as I spoiled earlier because I you know put this together out of order uh is Steven Spielberg why why is it Steven Spielberg I think he'd be good at making a film about uh, the Wright brothers and, and telling this this story. Um, you know, he's he's won twice. Uh, he's won for Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List, and he's been nominated for E.T., Lincoln, and Munich. Um, he also, in after finding um, that I wanted to do this project, um, I would Google each topic to see that, like, there isn't um, – like a recent, you know, like t- movie or something like that that was being made about it or anything, you know, just to be like, hey, that's how I found out that Matahari had like a TV series that says it's ongoing, but it's probably not really ongoing. And like maybe then I shouldn't do that story as well. Um, but uh, in 2015, uh, like Tom Hanks's like Playtone Records and Steven Spielberg bought the rights to, uh, I believe his name is David McCullough. I did not write it down his book about the Wright brothers. So he wants to make this movie. And it's like, oh, you know what? I think you'd be great at telling the story and you apparently really want to make it. Vindicated. So it's just yeah. like, oh, well then, yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah. Then I, st- I get to pick you. Like it's so, yeah, so he actually wants to, to tell this story. So it's like, oh, okay, well, great. Well, then why wouldn't I? So then 
I told you I got nervous. Um, and I didn't tell Ryan what I was doing, but I, I was, you know, I was looking for people and stuff like that, and he's in the room. I got nervous when I was looking on the IMDb page just to make sure that it was not being made. Um, I got nervous looking at the IMDb history, like, or his upcoming projects, and seeing one called Masters of the Air. And I was just like, oh, no, my movie's no. being made. They have hours that need to be taken away now. Um, but it is absolutely not. So um, Spielberg is my director. And then uh, my writer, because finding a writer for the story was difficult. Um, a lot of really great writers, uh, at least that would be on like an Oscar list, have passed away. Or a lot of people do adapted um, screenplays and um since they had bought this book, it's like, it can't be ad adapted. I'm not just, like, picking this movie that he made. So it's like it would be an original screenplay and stuff like that. So um, I picked uh, Kenneth Lonergan. I had him on a short list as okay. well. Okay, yeah. To do this. So, yeah. So he has been nominated uh, twice uh, for You Can Count On Me in Gangs of New York. Um, and then he won. I guess he's been nominated three times. He won one. Uh, he recently won for Manchester by the Sea. So he'd be fresh off of a, a win. He's been nominated a couple of times. Um, and I think he's good with family drama. Yeah, um, I'd say so, so. And these kind of like, you know, cast of people working like together and stuff like that. So that's why I thought that he would be a good choice. Um, so yeah. And then my composer. So in 2016, one of my favorite films was Lion. And I loved the music from Lion. Um, very evocative. Very, uh, it, it, it definitely set a, the tone for the type of film it was going to be. Yes. So uh, Dustin O'Halloran, um, he did the music for, he did the, the music for Lion. And he also did the music for Like Crazy. Oh, which that yeah. movie will just rip your heart out. Yeah, very effective music too. Yes, as but well. he yes. So the reason I, I chose him, he has such a light touch with piano that I thought would work really well. And if you can just imagine like a plane going through a field, and they're just all hoping that it will take off, and you're not sure if it's gonna leave the ground, and I'm gonna cry talking about it because I just love this music so much. But yeah, so I. I just really love his music, um, and I feel like it just sticks with you. Mm -hmm. I just really enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's no, it's, it's great. very emotional, and it's kind of small in a way. It doesn't have like a big like orchestra sound or anything like that. There's not a lot of like heavy brass. It's all very delicate and um, yeah, emotional. And I feel like it would work well for like a family drama, as it did in this film. Lion. This is from Lion. Um, yeah, it, that, that's an. It's an interesting choice, a very good choice, because those songs yeah. specifically that you picked, I can absolutely see that happening. It's uh, It would be weird to see a Spielberg movie without John Williams, if I'm being totally honest. Yes, but then what is it if I'm basically like, well, I'm just, I'm going to... You made the post. You made the post. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we keep going back to. Uh -huh. We want to avoid doing that. Yeah. But yeah, well, I like that. I think our movies would win a million oscars yeah <laughs> i think they would both win a million oscars so do you have a title for your movie okay also so you know this took me a while to do and so i forgot that you wanted me to do a title so i'm gonna have you do your title okay and then maybe we can figure out a title so for mine for mine you have to i think you have to 
really grab people with what it's about right then and there. Boom. And there was a phrase that sort of came out of this horrific bombing that I think the title can absolutely go towards like if you know the movie patriots day is about the boston marathon bombing because mm-hmm. it happened on that day so the title of my movie is manchester strong okay yeah so yeah. i think that that's a very evocative and i think it's it tells you exactly what it's about and it makes you remember that phrase and so it takes you back okay i know what this movie is going to be about and so i think that manchester strong is the is the title of my movie I think that's a great title. You reminded me right before we started recording that I was supposed to have a title. So I scribbled down The Sky's the Limit, which I really do not like <laughs> as a title of this movie because while like it, it fits it's for good. what it is, it sounds though like yeah. we're going to Vegas. That's like right. it doesn't yeah. sound like an emotional like family drama mm-hmm. about like creating, you know, like air travel. It... Uh, Hmm. I wonder. And so the thing is, is that as as you're telling me this story, I'm starting because I knew that I knew that you didn't really have a title. So I was trying to think about things that it could be as you were telling me the story. And two things came to my mind, but they're both names of other movies. Yeah. So like up in the air would be a wonderful title Uh for that particular thing. Maybe you, or flight. Flight would be yes, the other flight. thing. What as is well. taking flight? Does that is that a thing? Taking flight. What is that? That's not good either. How about maybe first like flight? wings in it? Oh, that's not bad. First flight. Okay. You know, I think that's just boring enough <laughs> yeah, to just, be yeah <laughs> to be Oscar bait. Uh-huh. Yeah, for first flight, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. So I can't drink water okay. while I do this. So if you would like to uh, try to decide the names of these films, if you think you could do a better job. I think job you did a good job with yours. The I think I need some, you know, I don't know, wings. I don't know. First Flight, I think, is... Uh, First Flight is good. But I, th- what I'm, I think what you have to try to do is tie in the family stuff also. So, like, you know, something about, like, a heart or, like, heart of the flight or... I yeah, I like feel that. like there's yeah, yeah there's like, like a bunch of words that should get thrown into like one of those like Facebook decides based on your photo things, and yeah. then it would spit out something that um, is really great. Oh, I think it would be like those those magnetic poetry things that you oh, put on there. Yes. You could just sort those of those just put don't the words exist around. anymore. By yeah. the way, they were so popular, and everybody still has a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. But you never maybe because we do everything on our phones now. That's there's true. no. That's true. And they, that's, maybe they make a comeback, and they make a comeback yeah. with. But Oscar buzzwords. Yeah, that's what I've come here to talk about today, yeah. by the way. The only reason I'm here is to talk about, like, what happened to Refrigerator Magnetic. If you would like to help <laughs> name Casey's movie, <laughs> go ahead and throw that into the comments or uh, send us a tweet at mcepodnet or an email mccarenpod at gmail.com. Or, like I mentioned, you can comment right underneath this post here on the McCarran Podcast Network Facebook page and more specifically for this episode. So you can be able to get this anywhere you can get podcasts and you can get all our entire back catalog on Podbean or, again, anywhere you can get podcasts except Stitcher. I'm trying to figure out how to get it on Stitcher. But at the very least, um, I think we're we uh, I think we're definitely, like I mentioned, going to win a million Oscars, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, think, uh, I, think, I think we nailed this, really. Yeah. I think we it was up in the air for a while. And we've brought it in for a landing. A safe landing? Yeah. yeah. I think so. Welcome think so. to the end of this podcast. Casey, where can people find you on the internet? Do you have anything to plug? I don't have anything to plug. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i on the internet because everybody's 
everybody's on the internet. Where can people find the internet stylings of Casey McCarran? I don't know. I think I'm Casey underscore McCarran on Instagram. Uh, you can see pictures of food I'm eating or making bacon. Some yes, yeah. I I make like half of them occasionally. Pictures of our adorable dog. Um, yeah, that's about it. Because everything else is set to private. So okay, fair. Yeah, fair enough. Here, you'll find me here twice a year. And I'll find you here later because you live here. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. So for uh, Build a Film, Episode 3, this is Ryan saying goodbye. And this is Casey also saying goodbye. Bye. <laughs> and remember, if you build it, they will come. Bye.